Wine you. Hey everybody! Welcome back to Wine You Wish Upon a Star, the Disney fan cast, where two married doofuses drink some wine and watch an animated Disney movie, and then drink some more wine and just ramble incoherently. I am your host, Joe Payo. I'm your other host, Brenna Payo. And this time, what did we watch? Well, we cried our eyes out to the Fox and the Hound. Did you cry? I mean, I cried a little. I, I didn't. Like, I dropped, like, the one tear that, like, sparkles as it goes down your cheek, and then it falls down your neck, and it hits, like, the top of your t-shirt, and then it feels like you, like, were chewing on your t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't for this one. I, I think I cried more for Robin Hood when, every, when the whole town was in jail. You would. I guess I'm a hard, callous, unmoving stone of a man. Yeah, that's going to change when we get to, like, any of the Pixar movies. You know what? You're going to cry like a big baby. I'm and then you're going to be like, you're gonna cry. I'm your host, Joe Pale, and today we're going to talk about Monsters, Inc. Okay, I'm tearing up right now. <laughs> yeah, just thinking about it. Kitty. Oh, man, we need more wine already. <laughs> so what did we drink while watching The Fox and the Hound? Well, we got to say, we drank one of our favorites. And that is? Wild. Wild. By Locatelli Sellers. Locatelli. It's a uh, winery in Paso Robles, and this is a red blend. The wild is usually just like a dealer's choice kind of thing, isn't it? We just got a case sent to us by some friends who are members. Unfortunately, before this whole quarantine, we were going to go out there and join Locatelli Cellars. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I guess we will be soon or whenever, you know, the world starts again. But... The Wild is their yearly red blend, and it's usually fantastic, and this one is no different. Yeah, I think uh, we had just heard the other day that they have a new blend that just uh, became available. So we, I believe we're drinking the 2019. Um, it's super tasty. We got totally hooked on it by the 2018, which we kept drinking at our friend's house, and they... Prompting them to send us an entire case of the new one. <laughs> The latest. No, the 2019. New one's not available yet. I still believe that one of my favorite memories of all times is on our honeymoon when we went to Locatelli. We didn't go to Locatelli. Wait, what was the place with the dog? Vintu. Oh, man. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I was going to say we didn't remember going, but (laughs) I guess saying we don't remember going because we never went. But I have a picture with a dog. Mm -hmm. A dog that looks like it's wearing eyeliner. And the dog looks really concerned for me. Like, I'm holding it, and it's looking at me like, uh... This movie does not start with a book. There is no book. No book starts this movie. But Kurt Russell does. (laughs) (laughs) The intro has credits that say who's playing what. And interestingly, the main characters are played by Kurt Russell, who plays the dog, Copper. And the fox, who is Todd, is played by... Mickey Rooney. It starts with a foggy bog. Just the, this forest, and there's just fog everywhere. And the music sounds like the intro to Psycho. Like, well, it's, it's just like heavy string. First, it's just birds chirping. And then it starts doing this, like, really kind of mystical, like, woodwind stuff. And then it gets into these really, really intense strings, and it sounds like something from the beginning of Psycho. Like, the music was just, like, building and going, like... And then... It's like a jump scare because it's like, this fox appears out of nowhere. Again, it's very loud and intense music. Holding its baby in its mouth, being it's chased. Running and you hear dogs barking. It drops off the baby by a fence post, goes running off and gets Bambi mommed right away. There's just gunshot, birds flying everywhere, and it's completely silent. Well, there's one gunshot, then they wait, then there's a second one. So it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> Kill shot. Yeah. Kill shot. So now there's just a baby fox, like a tiny little newborn fox hanging out by this post. And this giant owl sees the situation that happens. And the owl is named Big Mama. Big Mama shows up and she's just the picture of warmth and compassion. And she's like, we're going to find you a home. And... Meanwhile, there are a couple birds that are flying by because they are obsessed with trying to get this uh, worm. And this is a thing that carries on through the entire movie from start to finish of these two birds trying to get this worm out of a tree. It's it's sort of like in Ice Age, there's that one squirrel that keeps trying to like 
get that acorn and it just carries through all the movies. Doesn't he like go to space to try to find the acorn? I don't know. I lost track. Okay. They find people. They Then they find dinosaurs later. I don't get it. The birds' names are Boomer and Dinky. And the whole movie, Dinky continues to say to Boomer, okay, Boomer. Like the <laughs> whole movie, it's just okay, Boomer. Dinky is kind of like uh, he's kind of like a Joe Pesci figure. He's got this New York accent. He's really shifty and very small. And he's always making plans. What's well, like Pinky in the Brain. And then Boomer is this stuttering woodpecker who sounds like Tigger because it's Paul Winchell oh, that did the voice. Oh, because it is Tigger. Yeah. And uh, whenever Dinky is making the plan, he just turns to his friend and says, Okay, Boomer, this is what we're going to do. Okay, Google just turned on um, my Google Assistant when I said, Okay, Boomer, and it's saying, What can I help you with? (laughs) (laughs) So your phone responds to, Okay, Boomer. Apparently, my phone is a baby Boomer. What did you think of the animation style in this? Um, I thought it was pretty typical. I mean, the people looked more like people. Once it started introducing more of the characters, like the people and the birds, I started to kind of realize that the animation style, not an animation style, but the character design is a little all over the place. Like, it almost seems like each of the characters is from a different movie. Do you know what I mean? Well, I noticed that the lady, who is just called the Widow, she is like a weird love child between the fairy godmother and Madame Mim. But the way she moves is almost is very different from the birds and not just in a way of just like oh that's a human movement and that's a bird movement but it's like i don't know it's like they it, it to me it felt like they had different animation teams working on different elements and then it was all kind of hodgepodge together it didn't distract me from the movie though it did look cleaner i didn't notice like the xerox lines like in the last movies where you see kind of like their sort of sketching skeleton coming out from underneath maybe this is just like a remastered version that we saw but it looked very clean Okay, I don't remember any of the movies where a skeleton came out of the people. Like, no. <laughs> I'm Merlin. <laughs> like, I don't remember that scene at all. I, I like, especially in like 101 Dalmatians when there's a ton of them like running and jumping. It's like you can kind of see like the wireframe sketch. You know, like when you start a drawing and you draw like, to draw a human head, you draw a circle and then draw a line through it. And that's the eyes. And then it comes down to the chin. And you see like that outline sometimes just like pop up for a frame. Okay, you said a skeleton that fell out of people. So well, I, I imagine like a full <laughs> skeleton coming out of the body before they move forward. Like like Peter Pan went to fly and then and the then skeleton his went first out. and then he followed. Like, his skin just went to Neverland like, without him. <laughs> that's his, his skin bones were flapping not through the sky happily. behind his bones. <laughs> Like a scary oh, human gosh. kite. No, I'm going to have nightmares. Why did you say human kite? <laughs> Why did you say skeletons <laughs> coming out of bodies? I meant like the sketching skeleton. Like the... Never mind. <laughs> We're introduced to the dogs. And so there's Chief and there's... Oh. There's Copper. Oh. I have a fun fact here. Oh, already? Oh, yeah. Is this a big fun fact or a little fun fact? It's kind of a little fun fact. Fun fact. <laughs> It's so small, guys. <laughs> Thank you. That was our chorus of termites. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Our floors are hardwood. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, so the scene where, where uh, Copper is introduced to Chief, the dog, you know, the old dog, old dog meeting the, the young pup dog, that was worked on by a brand new animator at Disney whose name was John Lasseter. Does he go on to do anything else? We will find out. <laughs> <laughs> so the dog's not just... Copper's not just introduced to Chief. Copper's given to Chief. Like, we find out their human is named Amos. And basically, the whole movie is just Amos against the widow. I like, kept wanting to call him Jed Clampett, because he just looked like the dad in Beverly Hillbillies. He did, but it's just... Suspenders and walking around with a gun. He found no oil, though. No bubbling crude. This is like alternate reality. Yeah. So it's just him and these dogs against the widow and her farm. And it's basically just Hunter against not Hunter, like the whole movie. But when Amos walks up with Copper, Cooper. I kept going back and forth. Is it Cooper or Copper? It's Copper. Copper. It's like Rachel Lindsay's dog, Copper. Oh, my God. (laughs) You're not going to forget that now. such a nerd. (laughs) 
So when Copper walks up, no, when Amos walks up with Copper, he basically sets him down in front of Chief and says, like, Chief, I got you a dog, and then walks away. Like, he gave a dog to another dog. Like, his pet has a pet. But who is Chief? He is none other than... John Buttram. It's the Buttram. He's back. Buttram is back, guys. Buttram. Buttram. If you didn't hear our last episode, this is the guy who is the sheriff of Nottingham in Robin Hood, and then also the hillbilly rat from the Rescuers. And wow, you know what's crazy? He still doesn't change same his voice. exact voice. Still the same voice talking yeah. like this. It's, your voice sounded better to <laughs> like this of him. No. <laughs> that was a good impression. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. That is a very well articulated compliment. <laughs> You know, when you say things like that, it makes it hard to cut out my faux pas because you're, like, making jokes about them. <laughs> That's what we're here for, that prime content. You know what? We're supposed to be utterly professional. Oh, no, I've been drinking wine. Joey, do you take this seriously? Guys, I'm drinking at work. I have a problem. This is my life, <laughs> Joseph. <laughs> they do the same thing here that they did in 101 Dalmatians, where the whole intro scene... Nobody's really talking that much. But then once they kind of grow up a little, then all of a sudden the dog and the fox, they've they've got little voices. So they meet each other. They're both sniffing out stuff. And then they just instantly become friends. And this is where Big Mama sings a song about how they're the best of friends and why can't the world leave them alone. Also, Big Mama is a drag queen. Is that voiced by a woman or a man? That's a woman. Is it? Yes. It's a real low voice. It's a real low voice. She kind of sounds like... I think she was modeled after Big Mama Thornton, who was a blues singer, who mm-hmm. actually sung Hound Dog. Oh, I just made that connection. You know, the Elvis song, Hound Dog. Yeah. It was ri- originally written and performed by this by a woman named Big Mama Thornton. Oh. Oh, it's a hound. I get it. Oh. Although I doubt that's what Disney was going for at the oh. time. Oh. But yeah, she looks exactly like the owl from Winnie the Pooh, so it does get a little confused <laughs> yeah animation is like exactly the same even her movements she kind of keeps her hands on her belly like the owl from winnie the pooh but then she's got this real low voice and then she's singing blues and i wasn't sure if it was a man's voice or a woman's voice but i thought it was supposed to be because she is kind of like big mama like big mama's gonna love you like she's she acts like a drag queen sort of yeah and they sort of give her eyelashes, but they do not do the, like, women animation treatment that they do on all the other animals that are like for obviously Vixen. women. Like for Vixen the fox that we Vixen? Meet later. That was her name? I thought her name was Dixie. Oh, no, it was Vixie. That's what it was. But she is a it Vixen. It wasn't Dixie? No, Vixie. Oh. <laughs> I wrote Dixie. People need to articulate better when they say characters' names. That's the thing, though, about the, the this... Well, adding to what you were saying, it kind of goes back to the thing where I thought the character design was kind of pick and choose all over the place because there were so many characters throughout this that I thought, even the background characters, that looked like the previously used designs, like the owl or the the widow was kind of a combination of previously used characters. There's even like a squirrel that looks exactly like Arthur from... Oh, yeah. Totally just in the background. Arthur. I swear it even had glasses. Yeah. And Vixie even looks a little like Marion from Robin Hood. It's just... Her face, yeah. Yeah, her face and and the way that uh, that Todd the fox moves reminded me a lot of the cat from 101 Dalmatians, especially when he's like fumbling to get a fish. So this movie actually moves pretty quickly. Like they're kids for a short amount of time. They find out they're not supposed to be friends. They move through that. And then Todd gets into a fight with Chief. So Cooper has to like copper copper has to like kind of pick sides but then they he and amos and chief leave to go like learn how to be hunters and that's when they really come back and like now they're older they're adults their winter has already come and gone like apparently copper amos and chief were gone for like six months and during this, Copper had learned to hunt. And he goes from, like, being, like, a playful puppy. You see him get older. And then he's just, like, chasing animals to the point where he's actually really kind of calculated, where it's, like, he's kind of straying away from where Chief is going. And Chief's just like, oh, you newbie. But then he ends up, like, finding a whole hedge full of, like, pigeons? Or no, not pigeons. No, I think it's quail. Were they quail? Or, like, partridges or something. I don't know. They were big. What, like, how many partridges in the pear tree? Just one. 
It was more than one. One for each day. So there were 12 of them. It's a lot of birds in that song. Yeah. A lot of birds and servants. Ladies dancing, pipers piping, drummers drumming. You're gifting people. Wait, why can't they be paid? Like, you're just paying them to be there. Well, it's still servitude. So every job is servitude? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yes, I guess. How do you think people would react if you told them, Joey got me a drummer for Christmas? Like you paid a man to be there for a certain amount of time and do his craft? Is that the wording of the song? That's like saying, what if you paid to have a (laughs) server serve you Christmas dinner or like a bartender be there, you know, like during a wedding? Well, then you wouldn't say the gift is the person. You'd say the gift is the event. But I mean, if somebody (laughs) paid for something, then it's like, yeah, they have gifted you a musician for a couple hours. I don't ever want a musician as a gift, please. Oh, I'm already Googling where I can find you a full gospel (laughs) band to show up and wake you up every morning. Do I get to pick the ladies dancing? No, this is gospel. You're not, nobody's dancing. (laughs) I mean, like, there's like the movement of the normal song, but nobody's like dancing. Okay. I didn't say I was gifting you dancers. Again, I want to go on the record and say, I don't want this. I don't, it's a gift. You can't really... I don't want the birds either. I mean, it's not up to you. There's a lot of birds. Just rings. I'll take the rings. I'll be Sonic the Hedgehog and just so have you five want, like, golden rings. So you want five golden rings on your hands. Yeah, for every day from f- day five to day 12, five more golden rings. So you want me to spend our life savings on just gold rings for you? For seven days, yes. So that's 35 <laughs> golden rings? You don't even have that many fingers and toes. Where are you going to put them all? I don't know. Maybe I have different moods for them. So they're mood gold rings? I don't know. This is, this is, we've gone way past an aside, and now this is the podcast. Welcome back to Deconstructing Christmas Carols <laughs> with Joe and Brenna Pale. Uh, just wait till we get to Jingle Bells. That's not even about Christmas. That's about racing sleds. Anyway. I think a good part of this movie has to do with neighborly animosity. Because, I mean, Amos and Widow spend a good chunk of the movie fighting. Yeah. Well, and that it's not necessarily known at first that the Widow is known for having a pet fox. So I thought there was going to be some kind of interaction where he's just like, I'm trying to kill a fox. And she's like, no, that's my fox. He yells at her and he just says, like, you get that pet fox of yours under control. And if he's on my land again, I'm going to kill him. And of course, she's just kind of like... Well, at first she, like, grabs his gun and shoots his car. Well, because he shoots her car. <laughs> he shoots her car and spills all her milk. Mm-hmm. And so she jumps out of her car, grabs his gun, and shoots his radiator. There's one thing that happens in movies sometimes that always kind of makes me, like, cringe, is whenever there's a scene where somebody's, like, shooting a gun over and over and over again, and then somebody takes the gun and puts it right up against somebody's skin... It's like that muzzle has to be so hot right now. But she just like takes his gun and like puts it right into his neck and saying like, I'm going to kill you. And he's like, careful, it's loaded. And she's like, ah. and then she shoots it in the air. She's like, now it's not loaded and throws it back at him. Yeah, but she like hits him right in the chest with it. Like she throws <laughs> it like butt first at him. And he's like. <laughs> <laughs> so after the years pass and as we said that there's like, you know, everybody's growing up and the birds had flown away for a bit. When they come back, they realize that, that, oh, Todd the fox is now fully grown because he starts talking to them and they're like, who said that? Who is that? So you get it. He's older. But then sputtering down the road, here comes the car with Amos and Copper, who has now earned the front seat because he's the, the best dog now. And the way that Todd like looks at him, he's like, hey, he's all grown up now. Hey, and I was just like, wait, I don't know where this movie is going. Is this a romance? I don't think Disney would be doing that at the time. (laughs) So you actually thought that this movie was going to turn into a romance. The signs were kind of pointing to it. Like they had their little meet cute and then they were told to be apart. At one point I was like, is this supposed to be Romeo and Juliet? Because of like, even later on when he's like, I'll chase you, but I'll save your life this time. And then Todd accidentally makes Chief go on the railroad tracks when there's a train coming. Okay. And I was like, is this the Tybalt scene scene, where he accidentally kills his best friend? I mean, he does. Like, that scene was bananas. So Copper lets Todd go because he catches him. But he says, like, this is your one time I'm going to let you go. So he lets Todd run off. But unfortunately, Chief corners him on the train tracks. On a bridge over the ravine. 
and Todd is able to duck down low because he's a fox, but Chief can't and gets hit by a train and thrown, thrown off, off a bridge. Tracks. And doesn't land in the water, lands on the ground below. Like on a rock. Yeah. And you just hear his body like crack. And then Copper runs over there and he's like, oh, this is all my fault. And you see Chief like look up and then he goes, Ugh. And it's like, he died. I'm pretty certain that there was a version where he actually was killed there. Kind of like in Lady and the Tramp when Trusty like runs in front of a car and they had to change it at the last second because everyone's just like, this is way too depressing. Right. Because like in all seriousness, like you think Chief is dead. And it's not until like another 20 minutes into the movie that you see Chief again and all he has is a broken leg. (laughs) That's kind of a cute scene because he's just like, he's used to being outside, but now he's getting pampered. And he's just like, oh, this is nice. I'm near the stove. I got good food and I'm just hanging out inside. But then whenever anybody comes in, he just starts yowling like, oh, I just want a little sympathy. He's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. (laughs) But you can tell that he's been doing that way too often because they're just like, ah, quit your yowling. Go back to your room. And he just wobbles away. He even says like, or I'll break your other leg. (laughs) Yeah. Amos is like, I'm going to break your other leg. And he's like, oh, So because this whole interaction happens with the train and everything, Amos goes to Widow's house and like tears her door off the hinges and is just like furious. And he's like, I'm going to kill that fox. You can't keep him in for the rest of his life. And so the widow being this woman who with so much love and compassion in her heart, she tells him off and says, no way, he's staying with me forever and you can just deal with it. No, that's not what happens. Oh my gosh, this took a turn. She instead decides to take him for a ride out into the nature preserve, drop him off, take away his collar, and drive away. While she like has this internal monologue that's rhyming, it's like this poetry thing. Maybe Maybe it's an early rap, but she's just like, you were so glad and free, and now I must leave you without me. It's just like these... And it ends and with, this song, and we're both alone. And there's a song that's playing, but it's just like, this doesn't feel like a goodbye. <laughs> yeah, it's very depressing. And she takes his collar, and then she just leaves. She goes to get back in the car, and he's like, oh, I follow? And she's like, no, 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 no. And he's just like, uh, and he's standing there crying. Todd the Fox, Abandoned in the wild for the first time since he was a teeny tiny baby. Okay, that's another thing. You can't just leave an animal that has grown up in a house that has a cat bed. Well, clearly he's not welcome. He meets a very surly badger who just says like, go back to where you came from, which is like, well, great. Now the domesticated animals say you don't belong here and the wild animals say you don't belong here. Make up your mind. This guy also looked a little bit like a Mr. Hyde version of our friend from Mr. Toad, Mac Badger. That's who he looked like. <laughs> he totally looked at like him, but he had these like crazy eyes, like they weren't going in the same direction at the same time. And he's just like, get off my land. He's like a feral Mac Badger, or Mick Beaver, as we called him. It's loud outside. Sorry, guys. <sighs> Full disclaimer. Everyone on our block decided right now to do freaking lawn maintenance it's 5 30 in the early evening and On now is the perfect time <laughs> oh my gosh go back in your homes stop doing yard work so feral mac badger won't take him in so a porcupine actually comes up and apparently the porcupine had swallowed a stuffed animal pig because he sounds exactly like piglet well, says, I mean, you can stay with me It's nice to know that Piglet found a new house after he gave his house to Owl. And everyone was just cool with it. So that's fine. He goes to sleep with a porcupine. And this part, the scene cuts to the widow driving back to her house and Joey yells, aliens! Well, so there's this random cut and they tried to do some kind of like lens flare thing in animation that didn't work. And so all of a sudden you just see like, a glimmer of a country road, and then this, like, this rainbow-colored star just shoot out of the middle of the screen until, it like, the the car turns and you see it was the headlights of the car. But I just yelled out, Aliens! <laughs> this movie took a turn! Like, I was so confused because I was looking down to, like, write notes, and he just yells, Aliens! And then he, like, looked like the guy from the History Channel. Like, he's like, Aliens! Okay, you know what? I can't get a haircut. My hair stands up a lot. That's why I have to wear a hat sometimes indoors. 
You've been wearing a hat indoor constantly. Okay, we're all allowed to be self-conscious about our hair at this point. Okay, but you keep getting worried that you look like a pineapple. I do look like a pineapple sometimes. You don't look like a pineapple. Because <laughs> I wear a hat. Oh, jeez. So the aliens come. <laughs> they make contact with Amos and the Widow. They blow up the White House. They establish dominance. And then Jeff Goldblum kills them with a virus. Oh, is that what's happening right now? Are we the aliens? Is there a tiny Jeff Goldblum that's... I, I gave him a cold. Did Jeff Goldblum start this? <laughs> I don't know. Apparently, the commercials tell us that he's spying on us with dogs. Okay, what is that? We've been watching way more TV than usual. And, like, what is with the Apartments.com commercials that are like, we're going to send out dogs with cones. See, it's working. And the ladies are like, what? what's with your dog? What's with your dog? Like, what does this, that mean? What does that mean? What does that like, mean? She has this voice where she's like, excuse me, what's with your dog? What's with your dog? And he's like not responding because clearly she wasn't there the same day he was. What's with your dog? (laughs) Yeah, the lady was probably like, oh, sweet. I get to be in a commercial with Jeff Goldblum. And then (laughs) they were just like, no, you get to talk to a robot dog. And she's like, oh, cool. And then she's like, what is that? What is that? (laughs) And then he gave her a virus. Big Mama checks in. She's, she's searching around for to, to try to find Todd because she, of all people, knows like, oh, that child is not uh, capable of living anywhere on his own right now. And so she finds him. But before she does, she like comments and like she's like, oh, I'm winded. I'm getting fat. Like she just like starts commenting on herself, just being like, oh, I'm getting real old and fat now. And I held up my hand and I was like, same, <laughs> same big mama, <laughs> preach, because <laughs> I'm getting old and fat <laughs> So she thinks she finds him, but instead that's when she finds Vixie, the female fox with, like, the curves and the eyelashes, oh. batting them eyebrows. I wrote that in my notes. <laughs> I was like, oh, she was batting them eyebrows. So Big Mama comes down. She sees Vixie. She thinks it's Todd. She's like, oh, Todd. And Vixie turns around, and she's like, oh, Vixie. And Vixie's like, hey, Big Mama. And Big Mama's like, oh, I'm looking for my friend Todd. And Vixie's like, oh, tell me about him. And she says, well, he's a fox. He's uh Spry, young, very handsome. And that's when Vixie goes, uh-oh. Uh-huh. Uh-oh. <laughs> and so she's like, okay, well, just let me know if you if you hear from him. And it was so funny because, like, I got lost in the whole thing, how this is kind of like in the last bit of the movie, sort of like in Bambi when, like, the ladies show up. But it's like she, in a very modern way, just says, like, Vixie says, oh, uh, well, uh, I'm not doing anything right now, so uh, I can help you look for him. And it just made me laugh because it's like, it looked like classic Disney, but like you wouldn't ever think of a character saying something like that. Well, it was just funny because Big Mama just starts describing his physicalness. And then Vixie is like, oh, he sounds really nice. <laughs> like she's just like instantly enthralled. So they go off together to find Todd. They find Todd. He's like a crumpled heap of crying fox. And it's really funny because like, he's just like, woe is me, like, oh, everything's horrible, I've, I don't have any friends, I don't have any purpose. And then Big Mama's just like, oh, well, maybe I can help you find it. And he starts wandering in one way. She's like, no, no, I'll help you find it over here. Look, come over here. Look over here. <laughs> so she's trying to get him the rebound to kind of lift his spirits. And she's moment. like, Todd, look over here. <laughs> <laughs> Todd, look, look at the water. Look at the girl. And he's like, the forest is not pretty. Uh, it's beautiful. <laughs> like, he sees Vixie and he's just like, uh, <laughs> is that your foot hitting the ground are you twitter painted yeah that's what happens and his tail goes like up and he's just like Ooh. you sure it's not the jeff goldblum virus <coughs> you look like the the monster from monsters inc in the beginning it's like can anybody tell me what he did wrong <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wait, we've talked about monsters inc like three times already <laughs> i know I love that movie. I feel like that's the movie we just need to watch next. We're getting to it. We have to earn it by getting through the weird period of the 80s in Disney movies. Okay, but like we're allowed to watch whatever movies we want. Yeah, I know. I mean, like not for our podcast, but I'm just saying like in general. Yeah. I mean, in Monsters University, it was just a solid follow up. <laughs> I love that movie. Uh, Back to this movie that we're actually <laughs> watching. <laughs> So he's like trying to show off to her, but everybody's kind of like standing on the sidelines. The birds, they're all watching. 
And <laughs> Square Big Mama actually prays at one point. She just like clasps her feathers together and she's like, please, please don't let him screw this up. Well, then he screws it up. Like he acts like an idiot and he's trying to like catch a fish and he's like, Ugh, you're looking at the world class fish, fish catcher. <clears throat> you said fish catcher. <laughs> no. <laughs> I was trying to say fish catcher and then I could have said fisherman. Woke up in the morning feeling like pea squiddy. <laughs> Grab my trout. I'm out there, dog. <laughs> I'm going to hit this Brush tank. my teeth with a bottle of kelp. Because <laughs> when I swim for the night, I ain't going back. Fish <laughs> <laughs> oh, Kesha. I'm just imagining the title on this being like Fox and the Hound or Fish Kesha. <laughs> When this has nothing to do with it. See, I'm imagining like Kesha, but like she looks like that fish from SpongeBob. So she's like upright where she's like, yeah, like, I'm totally only, imagining a SpongeBob situation. Only, she's like, <laughs> so uh, he embarrasses himself and Vixie's laughing at him and he just starts insulting her. Like he starts yelling at her. I've never seen this in a Disney movie where he's like, you're nothing but an empty headed female. And she's just like, bye it <laughs> just walks away from him but then he then there's a romantic song playing and he brings her a flower and everything's fine and then she starts talking about how many kids she wants <laughs> first date and she's like i think six kids is good he's like six, six what? what no she six just says what? six is a good number i like six and he goes six what well the context is they're watching a family of quail go by six what he says it like twice <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's a family of quail, and she's, like, sitting there counting them, and there's, like, seven. She's like, six is a good number. I like six. Six what? They go to a waterfall. They're nuzzling. We've I forgotten mean, about the hound at this point. Oh, well, what we failed to mention was that the moment the widow gets back from the alien ship, Amos is like, oh, she dropped Todd off at the game preserve. But he's still bearing a grudge because Todd almost got Chief killed. So while all of this is happening, while Todd is, like, insulting women and <laughs> <laughs> falling into lakes. And he's just red-pilling all over the place. Amos is on his way to the game preserve. And he gets there, and, like, there's a sign that says, like, game preserve, no hunting. And he's like, oh, we're not here to hunt. We're just here to search for a fox. And also, he cuts the wires and goes in. I also like that when he was preparing to go on the hunt, he's demonstrating how the bear trap works. And I wrote down in my notes, uh, Chekhov's bear trap. Like, this is going to come in handy at some point. Chekhov? It's like Chekhov's gun. Have you heard that? No. Well, Anton Chekhov was a playwright, and they had this thing called Chekhov's gun, where if you introduce a gun in the first half, or in the first act of a play, it's got to go off in the third act. So it's like, here's a thing, and then they show you, like, there's a gun in play. And so then later on, when the gun comes back, it's not out of nowhere. Amos goes a-hunting for some fucks. And the thing I thought is, you said thoughts. Like, for some I was like, thoughts. what? I'm going to skin those thoughts and put them on my wall. No, like, I was very confused by why you used the word thoughts. Amos goes a hunting for the fox that hurt his dear, dear old boy, Chief. And uh, he's laying these bear traps everywhere because, oh, they show, like, they show Copper's face and when he's like sneaking through the barbed wire fence that they can't cross and he has straight up murder in his eyes. Like, this guy was my friend, but now he's my enemy and I'm going to snap his neck in my jaws. Like, his eyes are so evil in that moment. So they go along, they start putting the traps everywhere because by the th- by this point, Copper just knows exactly like where, like he knows all about hunting and not only that, but he knows where his old friend is going to be going and what he's going to be doing. Meanwhile, the foxes are coming out of their little den after their night of romance, and they have to head down to the pond where all the traps are laid so that they can drink water. As they start to head in, Vixie's like, wait, it's too quiet, something's wrong, and Todd, who hasn't grown up in the forest, is like, no, everything's fine, and he starts to head down, she's like, "Uh uh-uh, no, 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 stop, like, and he's like, it's fine, and doesn't, and ignores her completely. And continues on down the trail and runs into Copper and Amos. And he only gets a tiny bit of a head up because uh, Amos cocks his gun. And so you hear the chk chk. And then he runs. He's used to that sound. 
because of living near Amos for all those years. So he he's running around. He's narrowly avoiding all the traps. They're like snapping underneath him or right behind him. And then that's when uh, Todd and Amos start facing off. Not Todd and Amos. Todd and Todd and Copper. So we saw how Todd and Copper were really kind of going at it. You think that Copper is the more angry one here, but now with Vixie being threatened by the situation. Todd makes the scariest face. He's like snarling at him. His face kind of becomes almost like this like kabuki devil mask. It's really creepy. And they start to like fight, fight. Like they're like it's ripping vicious. at each other. Like I was just sitting there like, like it was making me uncomfortable. The foxes on the run go back into their little romantic burrow underneath the roots of a tree. And that's when Copper follows them and he's like digging in and he's definitely, again, murder face, like, I'm going to get you. And he's like snapping at them and barking. And they're like, let's go out the back. To which they go out the back and there's Amos with his gun. And he just starts like unloading shotgun shells into this hole. And then he just grabs some dry brush, lights it on fire. This could have been the end of the movie right there. It was the end of the movie. Everyone died. The end. What are we watching next week? More death. Yeah, who put that fire out? Nobody did. It's It was a weird moment where it's like, okay, either we run towards the dog. I thought they were going to try to, like, reason with him and say, like, calm down. Listen, it's me. I'm protecting somebody. But instead, he runs towards the fire and just dives out of it, to which Amos just says, like, what? Like, he's confused. No, but, like, who put the fire out? Nobody put the fire out. They just dove through it and just, like burst out from like through the fire hole right but that fire could still be burning it still could be burning yes so nobody did that's what i'm saying the whole place is on fire now that's why it's kind of hot today that's why it's hot because of a cartoon fire in 1981 yeah you get me um i've got a quick little fun fact here hit me this movie especially the scene where there's that fire where they're stuck in the burrow is the first use of cgi in a disney animated movie so for some of the fire effects and for some of like the smoke effects and everything like that, they actually used CG instead of it being hand-drawn. I also noticed when right after this they run to the waterfall, there's this mist coming off the waterfall that is not hand-drawn at all. Like that had to be like visual effects. I thought Tron was the first Disney movie that used visual effects. Animated movie. That was a live action hybrid movie. They go to the waterfall. Wow. There's a bear! And here comes a bear. Bruh! This bear is like 40 feet tall. Yeah. Like, it like, <laughs> it plows through trees, like full-grown trees that don't even go up to its waist. <laughs> but like full-grown trees. Like we see people run past those trees earlier in the shot and they're normal-sized trees. And it's like up to his waist and he just moves them out of the way. Like this is a Godzilla bear. I was just about to say this bear is the size of Godzilla. <laughs> And it's like this whole scene, like you can't even get like a wide glimpse of it because it's all cut very, very fast where it's like quick shot, quick shot, quick shot. And it's almost kind of like Monster of the Whale where it's like he's so big and um, he's just You said so... his name wrong. What? What is his name? <laughs> Montrose. Montrose. <laughs> Monstros. Monstros. <laughs> he's basically this force of nature, like Monstros the Whale. Haha, <laughs> Gillian. Go back to episode two, Bad Sea Boys, for that reference. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's like he's fully black with like little gray outlines of hair and giant red eyes. He's basically land monstro and he's just attacking and you don't get like a good glimpse of him. He's just constantly swiping. <laughs> he's he knocks, swiping? He's sw- like swiping. Swiping left? Like yeah. he's like uh, not interested, interested. Well, he's like, in the woods, so they don't have tinder. They have timber. Oh, oh, I'm yelling timber. I wonder if Fish Kesha does that. You better date. <laughs> Fish Kesha. The bigger they what are, the farther they fall. The farther they fall? <laughs> well, I guess the bear would have fallen yeah. pretty hard because he was pretty big. He knocks Amos down a cliff. I'm still not done making fun of this. Okay. <laughs> the bigger they are, the grizzled they fall. There's biggity bears, biggity paws. Oh, gosh. Kesha's going to come after us for this. Oh, man. But I love Kesha, though. <laughs> do we get to talk to her in court? <laughs> do you realize that together we've been we get, to do more... Do we get signed documents from her? <laughs> oh, my gosh. I want to sell them on eBay. We've been to more Kesha concerts together than anyone else. Yeah, two. That's a lot. No, I mean anyone... I don't mean anyone else, like, in the world. I mean any other person that we've seen in concert. Yeah. 
We've never gone to a concert twice except for a Kesha. Well, we don't do a lot of concerts. But like anything. We've never seen something that many times no. except for Kesha. And I will say, we got to see... What year was it that we saw her at the LA County Fair? It was 2013, wasn't it? Yeah, I think... It, no, 14. 2014? Yeah. Okay, so we saw her in 2014, and then we just saw her last year in 2019. Because if it was 2013, then we would have only been dating for three months, and I would not have gone to a Kesha concert with you. I think you did, though. I don't think so. Oh, no, you did. Did Wait, I? Wait, that was 2013. <sighs> oh, man, you... I am a limp noodle of a boyfriend. So gave in to that one. You went to a Kesha concert. We'd only been dating for, like, three months. Last year, 2019, we went to a Kesha concert again in Vegas. That one was much better. Uh, I was about to say, she got so much better. Yeah. That was a fun show. Because in, in the past, it was more of like, oh, she's a personality and a name. It's almost like seeing a Kardashian or something. But like, she is a great musician and she really showed off her skills in the, the, the one we saw in Vegas. Yeah, because I think when we saw her the first time, she was still sort of like she was still in her. She was is, a musician, but she was. Her TikTok days. But she was like, still, she was kind of like diving headfirst into that sort of image that she had of being like, I'm like, I'm like a pop star brat. But, like, this was. But then she much actually better. started to put out, like, music, music, yeah. where she wasn't just, like, auto tuned all the time. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, that show in Vegas was so good. <laughs> Loved it. And it was a free concert for people running the races, the, the rock and roll half marathon. Oh, yeah. And so even the people that were there were not specifically there to see her. So anytime we were like, can we move closer? They're like, be my guest. Yeah, we got to go, like, <laughs> right up to the front. It was fantastic. <laughs> Oh, I loved it. Love Kesha. Kesha, we love you. I got to get my scuba certification so I can see fish Kesha. Oh, fish Kesha. <laughs> <laughs> so that's been enough of Kesha love. <laughs> so that was Kesha love. Uh, Amos is knocked down the cliff by the bear. Oh, my God. I forgot lands, we were at the bear. Lands in a bear trap. <laughs> Irony. So he can't get away and he can't reach his gun. So as the bear is about to attack him. Oh, actually, he gets one shot off on the bear and shoots him in the shoulder. Yeah. Okay, fun fact. Showing, like, muscle. Fun fact. Yeah? This is uh, one of the very few cases in a Disney movie where they actually show blood. Oh. Because you see it for a second. Like, yeah, the, you do. You see, no, like, you the saw, red like, muscle. Underneath. Like, it was a deep shot, but only the shoulder. And then during this fight, um, Copper tries to protect Amos, and so he's trying to attack the bear. And at one point, he bites onto the bear's nose and, like, actually draws blood on that too just for like a split second oh this is a vicious fight like this is almost hard to watch like i said it's really fast cut like a michael bay movie so you're not even quite sure what you're looking at from and then moment at the to end moment. everything explodes and then shia labeouf comes running by and goes no 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 no, no, no. running through the woods shia labeouf <laughs> brandishing a knife at shia labeouf <laughs> 40 foot bear it's shia labeouf <laughs> Anyhow, uh, the bear is about to kill Copper, and that's when he starts kind of like he's freaking out. Well, no, Todd and then hears Todd everything. hears him. Todd hears this this going down. Vixie's like running ahead of him. They're like trying to get across the waterfall on this like log, and he just stops. And this is that that character moment where he's just like, even though this my dog friend tried to kill me many times in the last twelve minutes of the movie, I'm gonna go help him. So he tries attacking the bear, and he kind of draws the bear away from him. They run to the waterfall, and the bear destroys the log that they're standing on, and they fall. And everyone dies. And everyone dies. No. And I wrote down in my list uh, that apparently there is an unspoken rule in a Disney movie where if a fox falls from a very, very tall height into water, he's going to survive. Because same thing as Robin Hood. He thinks something's wrong, and then he just like swims out. He's like, oh, he's okay. He's fine. Yeah, so apparently the bear dies. Because the bigger know, the, they are, the, the bear, harder they fall. Ah, damn, I was just this, about to say that. This biggity bear <sighs> fell diggity down. I was about to say that. I'm so <laughs> unhappy with you. You're definitely sleeping on the couch tonight. How dare you take my Kesha punchlines? How dare you... Swing your grizzly round and round. How dare you use Mr. Worldwide against me? How dare you, sir? And then the... Uh, and then he's 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 crawling out of the water and looks up and there's a shotgun because Amos is there and he's just like even though he saved his life he's like time to kill a fox. 
Yeah, which seems like at that point, I feel like I would have probably ignored all of that. Yeah, if I got caught in a bear trap and it was attacked by a bear, I would have gone home. Also because, like, when he finally does walk off at the end, like, he is not walking off. Like, it is a, like, not even a hobble. I, like, I think I would have thought based on the walking, he lost his foot, but we see later he didn't. It's a grizzled walk. And he still is like, I'm going to shoot this fox. Copper finally actually realizes, oh, no, he's my friend and you can't hurt him. So he actually, like, kind of blocks the gun with his body and waits until Amos, like, realizes, oh, they're friends and then walks and then hobbles away. To which after that, Copper and and I keep saying, I want to say Amos, Copper and Todd just go their separate ways. And that's it. They have one, like, last look back. They don't even say anything. They just look at each other and then go different directions. And I mean, that's that. We cut to... Sometime back later. to the farm. Yeah, an undisclosed amount of time later, we come back to the farm. The widow is helping Amos change his bandages. See, to they've which... mended their their neighborly dispute. And Amos is like howling because he's like, you're taking my foot off, woman. And she's like, stop whining. It's not even that bad. There's a lot of that in this movie of people yelling like, stupid woman. Ah, you're, you're, you're frustrating females. I'm going to yell that at you. Why? Woman, give me more wine. I'll change the power of those words and call you a woman. Okay. Man, give me more wine. Both of those are very confusing things Actually, to call me. Actually, I mean, me. I boss you around a lot. Wait, man is a confusing thing to call you. If you were asking for it, you just went, man. <laughs> Actually, I do say husband a lot. You say husband. See, I'm used to that. But, but you also... just went like, male. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also very bossy to begin with. So I often say like, husband, give me whatever it is that I need. See, at first, at first I was boyfriend. Boyfriend. <laughs> and then you didn't get sick of that. And so oh. apparently. <laughs> we check back in with <laughs> the two birds, Dinky and what's his name? Boomer. Dinky okay, and Boomer. Boomer. <laughs> Dinky and Boomer. The whole movie. So they're like, oh, okay. We finally, finally cornered the worm that we've been chasing this whole movie. They open up a hole. They peer in. And apparently through disco magic, there's <gasps> yeah. like a light, a it's rainbow like, light punch, show. Punch, <laughs> There's a rainbow light show, and then a butterfly flies out, and so it's like, oh, okay, it's metamorphosis. It's about things changing and things like that. And they're just like, there's something familiar in the eyes of that of that butterfly, to which the owl is just like, <laughs> now you're my friend. Yeah, Big like, Mama's like, good luck. Good so luck. It's like, Go on, child. <laughs> they're cool with butterflies. Like, they won't eat butterflies, but yeah. like, if they're a caterpillar, then, then you're dead. Much like that metamorphosis happened, the widow and Amos are now friends, and she's caring for him and his hurt foot. Again, he's just yelling like, dang you, woman! And they're, but they're, they've mended their differences now. Well, Chief is making fun of him. He's like, oh, look at all that howling over just a hurt foot. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like, even the enemies can become friends if you just give them a chance and abandon your loved ones, I guess. Well, and your last cut is... You see the dogs in their barrels. You see Widow helping Amos. And then you see the two foxes way up on a hill looking down at the farms, just being like, meh. And then the fox is thinking, I could really help my friend start a band with a bunch of other hounds. Oh, man. (laughs) We read the description for Fox and the Hound, too. On Disney Plus, they're like, now that you finished this, why don't you watch Fox and the Hound, too, which was made in 2006 and has to do with somehow, like... It looks like a yodeling competition. Well, like, <laughs> Copper's trying to start a band. I don't think that that's a good sequel. This movie, you had pointed out while we were watching it, that this is probably one of the first instances of these movies that have a deeper meaning involved other than, like, what you're seeing on the screen. It's not just about a dog and a fox. It's about, like, kind of, like, making your own decisions on who you see as an enemy and, and just being able to look past that. Like, there's, there's an allegory here. Well, I think it might also have been touching on expected roles in life and Mm -hmm. how people can break out of those expected roles that they're born into or situations they're born into. And I did make the comment, I think most of these movies we've watched so far and a lot of these Disney classics that you think of are very one note. They're very simple. It's like Sleeping Beauty is Sleeping Beauty. (laughs) Like there's not any hidden meaning to that. But this one actually did have kind of an undercurrent of other meaning that could be uh, attributed to the story. 
it still wasn't as flushed out as, say, like, Finding Dory or things like that, where it's like, this clearly is about something else. Yeah, I think that th- during this time in Disney, it was they were trying to sort of find their feet of like, are we just doing movies for kids? Are we doing movies for adults? What are we doing? And so it's a little bit of like a scattershot approach where it's like they start kind of diving a little bit into like telling a story that might have a deeper meaning to it. Nowadays, with all the Disney movies, every single one of them has that element to it, where it's just like, your kids are going to love the visuals and you are going to relate as an adult to it in some very personal way, having to do with like your relationships or having to do with your worldview or having to do with dealing with very, very real circumstances. So this kind of like dipped its toe in, but it still wasn't clear. Like I, I was thinking when I was watching it, like, <laughs> as we said, is this a romance story, a bromance story? I don't quite understand what it's actually reaching for. Yeah, it's not like it was as clear as some of the other ones. Like, like you watch Wally, and it's very clear what it's saying. Where it's about like the environmentalism, yeah, like, and also about like just making a connection, about stop not being so isolated, about opening up to other people. Right, and this one you could read things into it. So it's the first one where I do think there was double layers, but it's not like they were super clear about it. Yeah, but. That does make me happy because it feels like we've sort of hit a turning point where they're putting more thought into these movies. Like there were scenes of this movie where I was like, oh, this is this would be a little scary if I was a kid. Like some of these fight scenes between these animals. It was like, ooh, <laughs> it was rough. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, even when we get into and, and we see elements of that when we get into ones later, like Beauty and the Beast, where that could have been a very cut and dry Sleeping Beauty type like oh, this is about a girl and she becomes a princess because she falls in love. But there's a lot of other stuff where it's like she's looked down upon because she's wanting to be more educated or her father is an inventor and he's seen as like a crazy person that they're not accepting. Where it's like you get some of those deeper themes kind of like this, where it's like it's not just like paper cutouts of people. They're more fleshed out. So what's our next movie? Our next movie is The Black Cauldron. Oh, now, this movie, I I don't remember much of it. I think I've only seen it once. And funnily enough, I was it was in a very inebriated state, so I don't remember anything of it. I remember it being super lame. I don't remember anything of it. Like, I remember watching it, like, in daycare or something, and even as a child being like, mm, lame, next. From what I know of Disney history, I think from um, watching the documentary Waking Sleeping Beauty, that was a turning point for the animation department where they had to kind of, like, step back and say, like, Let's regroup and let's figure out what what we're doing here. And that's what led to the new Disney renaissance of like The Little Mermaid. So there's still like a couple movies in between, but like because of the the financial failure of The Black Cauldron, it ended up creating what we now know as like the ones that you and I grew up with. All right. I mean, we're going to watch it, obvi, but obviously, blah, but whatever. The Black Cauldron. The Black Cauldron. <laughs> <laughs> Would you uh, like some more fun facts? Joey. I will never tell you no. I thought you were going to say, I will never like fun facts. To fun facts. Joey, I will never like your fun facts. I knew it. (laughs) No, I will always like your fun facts. I will never want that wagon wheel coffee table. (laughs) (laughs) You'll never have to go out there again. (laughs) Please tell me you'll never have to go out there again. (laughs) Okay, uh, fun facts. Originally, this movie was supposed to come out almost a year earlier. But it had to be delayed because a whole bunch of the animators left Disney. So Why? One of the big animators at Disney at the time, his name is Don Bluth. And I think I may have mentioned him in one of the past episodes. But he was one of like the major animators. He ended up leaving Disney. But for some reason, like a lot of the other animators were very loyal to him. And so they ended up leaving with him when he went to create his own studio. And he was trying to compete with Disney. So that ended up making it, pushing it from being a Christmas release to a release like the following July. If you don't know who Don Bluth is, uh, let me just read out some of the things that he worked on after leaving this project. Uh, The first thing was uh, he created the movie The Secret of Nim, which is about the, Mm. the, the mice going on like this epic quest turning out to be about like lab testing. After that, he worked on the video game Dragon's Lair, the one that looks like it's animated. And the guy actually looks kind of like the guy from Sword in the Stone. Uh, in 1986, he made An American Tale, the one about Fievel, 
coming to America. Do you realize that's what I thought we were watching when we sat down to watch <laughs> The Rescuers? Yes, that's what you said. Like, there's something about the Statue of Liberty and there's I got really confused because I thought Island they were coming and... off a boat. And then I was like, what is happening here? And I legit thought we were sitting down to watch The American Tale. 1988, he made The Land Before Time. Ah! I love Lillian Before Time. That same year, All Dogs Go to Heaven. Oh, shut up. This man's a genius. Yeah. So he made, from our childhood, he made some very, very important animated movies. The only ones that were able to kind of compete with Disney at the time. Because he's also responsible for Anastasia. Oh, that movie's so good. Yeah. So like all these ones that you think are Disney that aren't Disney from that time of the hand-drawn animation were usually Don Bluth. I totally forget so much of the time that Anastasia is not Disney. Yeah, a lot of people do. There was like Disney princesses, like Anastasia. It's like... Oh, BT Dubs, they made a musical for that and it is bomb.com. It's gorgeous. But it was a musical. Well, yes, but they also made... Oh, like you mean a, a live one. Yeah, yeah they, okay. they like wrote different songs for it and it is gorgeous. Yeah, I've never seen Anastasia. That could be one <gasps> of the ones that we do like for a special episode. What? Never seen it. Oh my God, we're watching it tonight. <laughs> okay. Are you serious? I'm serious. I've never seen it. Joseph freaking Peyo, are you... <laughs> Oh, no, we have to go now. No, I'm not even kidding. We have to watch that movie. I was going to say we should watch Monsters, Inc. tonight, but now we're watching Anastasia. I cannot believe you've never watched that movie. I know two songs from it. There's one that's like the Once Upon a November or something. Is that right? And there's like one that's called like a rumor in St. Petersburg. Because that one was like nominated for an Oscar. Okay, we have to go. Like, (laughs) screw the rest of your fun facts. We're going to watch Anastasia. I only have one more. And then we can wrap this up. I'll allow it. And I can go hang out with Rasputin and Bartok. Yeah, they're great villains. Oh. So there was a rumor at this time because um, when Fox and the Hound came out, it came out the same weekend as Escape from New York, the Kurt Russell movie where he's like, got an eye patch and he's dressed in leather. <laughs> it came out the same weekend. And so there was a rumor going around that the two movies were being made at the same time so that when Kurt Russell would go in to record his lines as copper, he was dressed as Snake Plissken. <laughs> <laughs> so that was the rumor. But it's not true because because of the delays of the movie, like this uh, Fox and the Hound was actually like he did the voice recording the year before when he was in the Elvis movie that he did. So he could have been dressed as Elvis. Most likely not. People don't do... They don't just, like, go from, like, one studio to the next in their wardrobe, like, do-do-do. <laughs> I don't know. There was that whole thing about Kristen Bell in Zootopia where all she does is, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, she was there for Frozen 2 meetings, so they are just like, come on in. She's like, okay. <laughs> yeah. She has one line. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, those are my facts. Those are good facts. So, um, yeah, next we have the Blach Cauldron. Blach. Oh, well. It's fine. It'll be fine. I, I, I literally don't remember anything about it. I just remember it being Borzor. I think that's one of the reasons why I drank so much wine last time. So the last time when I watched Black Cauldron, I was hanging Black out with friends. Black Cauldron out? <laughs> a little bit. I had two friends who got, like, two cases of two buck chuck from uh, Trader Joe's. One of them got a red case. One of them got oh, a white case. Oh, no. <laughs> And they were trying to compete to see who could, like, finish more by the end of the movie. Uh But whenever one of them left the room, the other one would turn to me and say, you have to help me. So I ended up making, like, a blend rosé in my belly. (laughs) And so I don't remember much of anything. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. So we'll see how this goes next time when I'm actually drinking wine and remembering more. So we should drink a rosé then next week. I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of like medieval or black themed wines. We'll find something. We'll find something. Also, when we chose wild for this, I didn't realize from the very beginning that the fox is not wild. No one's wild in <laughs> no this movie, except for the bear. And Vixie. That's yeah. about it. <laughs> Any final thoughts? Uh, this was kind of a heavy movie. It was heavy. I, I really wanted to like it. And I think Did that- Did you not? Yeah, I don't know. Ooh, because I didn't not like it. Yeah. I I enjoyed it. It was just kind of a heavy movie that took a lot of turns. I, I mean, of all the movies that we've watched and, and, and talked about on the podcast, I, it's, I'd say it's like in the bottom three for me. Really? What were the other ones? Rescuers. Yeah, because I, I was going to say. Yeah. I don't know what the other... I mean, <laughs> I don't know what else there is. I mean, I thought I liked this but, like, one better I, than Rescuers. We've had such a good string of movies, and after like Robin Hood, where it felt like they were learning from everything, it all kind of coalesced and became like something where, like, 
oh, everything makes sense. Everything is good storytelling. Everything is good visuals. And it's all together as one solid piece. But then it, it started just kind of like go in different directions again. I didn't not like it. It just felt like kind of a heavy movie. Like there wasn't a lot of like happy upbeat parts. Yeah, it seemed kind of a little disconnected for me where it's like they were drawing a little bit from Bambi, but not going full force into that. Like they had some beautiful painted backgrounds, but then it sometimes like they weren't even like trying to integrate it into the, the forefront animation. I don't know. It just seemed a little disconnected all over the place for me. I guess we'll just go into Black Cauldron and see what <laughs> happens, man. Maybe we'll love it. Doubt it. <laughs> and on that note. On that note. Cheers. cheers.